Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Money Mitch Effect. I am your host, Mitch Michaels. I am Money Mitch, and this show is going to be spectacular. We got a lot to talk about. We're going to dive right into NFL Conference Championship recap with Ryan Souls, Soul Man, coming back on the show. We're going to talk about the Falcons and the Patriots booking their tickets to Super Bowl Fifty One. We're going to talk about some ideas for the NFL Pro Bowl this year. We're bringing back some skills competitions. we got our own ideas as well. You're not going to want to miss that. And then Brett Connors, George Pinozian, back again to talk tennis. We're going to talk week one of the 2017 Australian Open. It's been a wild one. Djokovic, Murray, and Kerber all out. Federer and Nadal making runs, trying to get back to it. Uh, to recap there, one week left to go in that tournament. We're going to make our picks, our updated picks, because most of our old ones are out. Here we go, Money Mitch Effect. It's time to do it. All right, Money Mitch Effect. Now joined on the line by returning guest, one of the best guests on the show, Ryan Souls. Ryan, thanks for joining the show. Hey, I appreciate that, man. Uh, I love being here. Happy to be here again. So we got one football game left. That's it. One left. It's Super Bowl one 51, left. and the field is set. Right, it was two more playoff games. It was two more dominant, dominant beatdowns. Nine out of, I think, 11 of these games have been blowouts. But here's the Super Bowl. Falcons and Patriots both win convincingly. And we'll start with that NFC game, Ryan. It was two of the most high-powered offenses in the league, two of the MVP candidates at the top of the list in Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers. But this game, Ryan, to me, and I'll let you go from here, but it showed me just how dominant Atlanta is. Not just one guy, but the entire team of offensive weapons that they have. What a dangerous, what an explosive team they were when it mattered most. Absolutely. This showed me a lot, top to bottom, um, of who the Atlanta Falcons are against the best team, the hottest team, arguably, coming into this uh, this juncture of the season. And to, to have really every, fa- every facet of the game, uh, not just offense, both sides of the ball, uh, to show up like they did. But, you know, your key, your key guys, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, putting up insane numbers for playoff AFC championship games and just playoff overall, just or NFC, rather, uh, are just ridiculous. And this team, top to bottom, is dangerous. And uh, it was it was really fun to watch them because a lot of people, if you're not local, you don't get to see Atlanta all the time. So to get to see them against the best, uh, this was this was cool. Yeah, forty-four to twenty-one was the final, and it felt more lopsided. It felt like it was going to be destined for even worse. Green Bay kind of made it interesting in garbage time, but I look at it from a couple different perspectives. Atlanta knew going into this game, Ryan, that Aaron Rodgers is dangerous and that they're that they're most effective when they get off to a hot start early. What Atlanta did was just put the pedal to the metal and didn't let up. They got going fast, they got the lead, and Green Bay, Ryan, whether it was by just a necessity or by choice, they completely abandoned the running game and turned the Packers into a one and turned their offense into a one-dimensional team. And I think helped Atlanta on the defensive side of the ball, knowing that the pass was coming, they could turn loose some of those pass rushers. Right, you mentioned it perfectly. They they became predictable. And this stage of the NFL, I don't care how good you are, you become predictable. You can be beaten. And this is exactly what the Atlanta Falcons showed us. And not to say that the offense had a bad game on stats, uh, but a lot you got to realize a lot of their stats came in garbage time. You know, they weren't in, they weren't competitive for most of this game. And uh, so looking at the stats can be uh, dece- deceiving. But they uh, they completely abandoned the run, like you said, and they became predictable. You know, and I think, too, you need those breaks. You need to play a crisp game. Last week against Dallas, Green Bay did that. This week, Mason Crosby misses a field goal to start the game that could have set the tone. They had a couple fumbles. Ripkowski's fumble was huge. They were getting pushed back. You know, these plays, their line was getting pushed back. These plays that you need to kind of spring start, you know, springboard your offense, weren't there. And Atlanta on the other side of the ball, you got the sense really early on that they felt like when they got it, they were scoring. And how could you, you know, deny otherwise based on the results? Definitely. And I think, you know, I'm not surprised, and I don't know if you would be surprised either, Mitch, that Atlanta scored this this many points, uh, not because of what they have on offense, but they could have taken the blueprint from what Dallas did last week, um, with their receiving core just 
absolutely ripping Green Bay. And I think Julio Jones uh, is better than Des Bryant, as good as Des Bryant is. And uh, Mohamed Sanu is no uh, slouch either. And just to see what this receiving court did to the Green Bay secondary, I'm not surprised at all. I just think we expected more from Green Bay in offense. But Atlanta putting up this this many points isn't surprising to me on that defense. It's unbelievable. And I want to read you a stat right now. we got a lot of guys to talk about, but the last six games for Matt Ryan... 72.8 72.8 completion percentage, 133 passer rating, 18 to 0 touchdown to interception ratio. And oh, by the way, the Falcons have averaged 39 points a game in that. And nobody's, and nobody was talking about it. <laughs> Un- that's unbelievable. And those are those are four games to end the regular season that they that meant something to get the two seed, and then two playoff games. And it's it's incredible. It is incredible. I mean, I know we live prisoner in the moment. I know now the way it looks like Ryan MVP. And, and if it's Ryan or it's Rodgers, because Rodgers finished the season well, you know, that's one thing. But I, I, I think even bigger than that, Ryan, is that Matt Ryan is now firmly on level with a guy like Aaron Rodgers, with a guy like Tom Brady. And whether or not he wins a, a piece of hardware this year, I think that's going to do more for his long-term standing than any award will ever do. Yeah, and I, and I think him getting here, uh, and if they win the Super Bowl, I'm sure we'll get to that uh, later, we'll do even more. But I think this win, this season that Matt Ryan has had, coupled with the, the team win and team success, is the reason why you draft a guy third overall nine years ago. So the Atlanta Falcons, uh, if they didn't already feel validated in their selection, I think they definitely do now. And we've seen... <laughs> You know, elite guys get to the Super Bowl in their ninth year, in their ninth year. And Matt Ryan is one of those guys. And I think uh, it's just a testament to the hard work that he's put in. You know, he does, he hasn't always had one regime in Atlanta. You know, he, they had one big regime for a long time. And then, you know, Dan Quinn relatively new. So I think... You know, the, this has said a lot about him, and you know, I don't, I don't know if I'm ready to say pound for pound. You know, he he's the best quarterback in the NFL. But your point, he's we okay. can talk about him in the same sentence with the Rodgers and the and the Breezes and the and the Brady's and and those guys. Right, and and underrated uh, athleticism. I mean, some of his runs were, you know, he juked the one dude right out of his jockstrap. I mean, he, he was, did, he did. He was doing that, and and I would say this to go on your point on drafting. I draw comparisons, as you know, in other sports a lot. And I look at two other sports in particular, the winter sports, hockey and basketball. The draft picks there, you draft guys in the top of the draft, top five picks, based on offensive production. I think football at the quarterback position is no difference. If you draft a quarterback in the top five, if it's a franchise guy there, you have to take him. You have to be able to build around him. And Atlanta, for all the ups and downs that Matt Ryan had, they still have a franchise guy there, and I will say, too, that in, at the quarterback position especially, the, the growing curve is longer. You see running backs are kind of done by the time they get to their seventh, eighth year. Ryan is just now figuring out all of his capabilities. He's crossing his skill set with his intellect, and I think it's really showing on the field. It is, absolutely, and I hope, uh, I don't think it will be, but I hope this isn't a flash in the pan. I hope we get to see him get better from here. Yeah, I hope so too. That's that's something none of us, and that's something that we all want to see as Matt Ryan continue to improve. As I uh-huh. talk with Ryan Souls on the Money Mitch effect, we do have to talk about one guy in particular, and that is the ultra talented, unstoppable yesterday, Julio Jones. I've been in the camp that he, I think he's the best receiver in football. I know he has the injury questions, but yesterday, Ryan, nine catches, 180 yards, two touchdowns. And I'll point out, and I don't know if this is a badge of honor, I know everyone's playing injured, but he was playing through some injuries yesterday. Turf toe. Turf toe, which we know what that can do. But Ryan, in the biggest game of the year, Julio just flat out dominated. I know they probably would have won if it wasn't the case based on how much they won by, but when you see a guy like that perform at a high level, what does that do to his resume, to his aura in this league as an already talented skill guy? Oh, I mean, I think... We're, we're going to talk about this guy like we talk about Calvin Johnson, like we talked about him for the last nine years that he was in the league. I think Julio is that type of guy. And I think balling in the biggest moments uh, against the biggest opponents, I think, just shows that's what true greatness is. That's what aspiring to be a Hall of Famer is. And I think Julio Jones is well on his way to doing that. And, you know, whoever has the game plan for him next, 
I was going to have a tough time. <laughs> Certainly do. I, I want to point out something else, too. That this actually wasn't quite as good as his previous NFC title game. No, it wasn't. So the fact that, I mean, they're about the same, but the fact that, that in, two, in two NFC title games, Ryan, he's got 20 catches, 362 yards, and four touchdowns. <laughs> I mean, the only other guy I can compare it to is Larry Fitzgerald for his playoff success. These are the yeah, two man. most clutch receivers right now. I mean, Fitz is getting up there in age, but to play your best at the biggest moments. And, look, it, it, he's not a quarterback. He, he can only succeed so much based on what the quarterback's doing. I, I think there's more pressure on a guy like that in that case when he can't throw himself the ball. You're not going to get that many opportunities. But the first touchdown, the toe tap, unbelievable. The second one, run across the middle of the field, the stiff arm. I mean, this is, I hate to steal another phrase from another sport, but a five-star t- prospect we say in baseball, this guy's mm-hmm. a five-star football prospect. He can literally do everything out there at the receiver everything. position. And he's a big guy. He's just, he's the prototypical receiver of the, the early 2000s. I think now we've kind of shifted into the Odell Beckham, Antonio Brown type bills for the best receiver. You know, when we talk about the best receiver, but Julio is really the bigger guy with they can still run a 4-3 and run every route and will run across the middle, and it's just it's incredible right. to watch. Right, run across the middle. He did that. He took a couple knocks even yesterday, and I know Beckham runs slants and can break him as good as anyone, but this is a, a, in the middle in traffic. And I'm Absolutely. Never, and like I'm not, the deep end yeah. cuts. And I'm not, ready to, yeah, I'm not ready to say, obviously, T.O. Moss. That's a, a little bit away, but... He's a little bit of each in the sense that he's got the vertical speed, but he'll still run the TL routes through the heart of the defense. Absolutely. That's what I love about him. Is he, he, he definitely runs the TL routes. And, you know, I, we were talking to another friend, friend of the show, uh, Mitch Steve Lindeby, yeah. uh, last night. And uh, I was telling him, I said, if he, if he can figure out to do what Terrell Owens did to the Patriots those years ago, then Bill Belichick's got some game planning. To do. I mean, what? He's still in his mid twenties. There's a lot of football left for this guy. A lot of football. We could be, we could be adjusting our all-time receiver ranks before this career is done. But look, Ryan, it's more than just Julio Jones. We mentioned Sanu. How about the one-two punch the Falcons have at running back? You know, it goes back to Matt Ryan's development. In the past, he might have wanted to just force in throws and, and throw it 40, 50 times a game. But it's got to be comforting to know, unless. Last night's game, last afternoon's game especially, that you have two bona fide studs at running back that you can lean on when the passing game isn't there. Definitely. I mean, to be able to split 25 carries between two guys, uh, two reliable guys, I think guys that can start maybe on any other team individually, that's huge. And then to, to add that to Jones and Sanu uh, and, you, and, you know, have a quarterback performing in the lead level right now, that's a dangerous offense. And these running backs, uh, especially Devontae Freeman uh, between the tackles, but also flexing out at the wide receiver position, it's just really dangerous. And um, this team is, is, you know, we talk about Big Ben, Le'Veon Bell, and, and Antonio Brown, but, you know, th- this is a really solid big three themselves, and maybe even four when you, you throw Coleman in there. Right. I just think I would absolutely throw Coleman in there. The touchdown yesterday was yeah. spectacular. They have tight ends. They got Taylor Gabriel as a third receiver. This is a scary team that, that spreads the ball and has figured out a way to do it all. And it goes back to me, to Dan Quinn, a guy that came in there, Ryan, and changed the culture. He, he you know, obviously fixed some things. He made that team accountable. But I also, and I know they're going to lose him, but I also got to give credit to Kyle Shanahan for revamping that offense. And it's one of my pet peeves that I don't think a lot of coaches do. Ryan Quinn's a defensive guy. He came in and said, we're going to hire an offensive mind, and I'm going to basically get out of his way. I'm going to let you do your thing. I'm going to work on revamping the defense. I think there's too much authoritativeness in coaching, and I really like the job Quinn's done with his assistants there. Absolutely. And sometimes the best job you can do is to let other guys do their job. Yeah, surround yourself with smart people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're going to congratulate Atlanta. You know, obviously a, a performance for the ages. Green Bay, on the other hand, Ryan, they didn't have it. I, I don't know if it was Rodgers that couldn't quite play sensational football all the way through. Part of me thinks that his brilliance was covering up a lot of flaws that finally did get exposed. It's always tough to lose a game at this level, but it was a pretty big accomplishment for this Packers team. It was 4-6 and six just a couple months ago. 
to fall one game short of the Super Bowl. Right. And I mean, and I think this was just a perfect storm for the Atlanta Falcons, to be honest with you. I think, like you said earlier, Atlanta gets up early on Green Bay. And as good as Aaron Rodgers is, you want to ask him to throw, to make every throw, throw every guy open, to climb back when you really, when, like you said, you really abandon the football early by choice when you didn't have to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you really just don't give yourself a lot of options. And as good as Aaron Rodgers is, you know, that's a lot to do for anybody. Yeah, I think, too, defensively, we knew that they were weak in the secondary. They were able to cover up some of those holes with that pass rush. Atlanta's line did a good job picking up the blitzers, and Ryan just gashed the secondary. I think going forward, Green Bay is always going to be a threat. I think we agree on that. When you have Rodgers, when you have some of the weapons, and I do want to give a big shout-out to Jordy Nelson for playing through a, a couple broken ribs. I mean, that, that's pretty pretty tough in his own right. But they need, to, they need to revamp that secondary, especially in that defense, if they really want to be legitimate contenders because you'll always find an offense when you get to this level, Ryan, that will make you pay, and Atlanta did that yesterday. Definitely. Uh, you know, you hit the nail on the head. they got to revamp the defense. they got to really, like you said, pair, find somebody to pair with Clinton Dix back there. And uh, we have yet to see a Clay Matthews season of old uh, since he's had some injuries. So it would be nice to see him get back to form. Right. A little bit, too. Certainly would, but again, congrats to Atlanta. And the last game at the Georgia Dome, I, I don't know if there's ever been an arena that's had their best moment ever be their last, essentially. And I think yeah, that's, that's what a, happened there. That's awesome. And uh, a Dirty Bird was doing a dance somewhere. Uh, and that, that, that's a way That's a way to, uh, to send them out. Well, I know Jamal, Jamal Anderson's <laughs> happy. We, uh, we talk about these moments a lot that Atlanta might not be a sports town. It really, it really did look like one yesterday. I mean, that was a very, very passionate fan base. And, hey, you know what? This this past it, Ryan, this past Goldberg winning the WCW title is probably the greatest Georgia Dome moment. So we got a new, uh, we got a new Mount Rushmore moment of Georgia Dome moments. But congrats to Atlanta there. As I talked to Ryan Souls on the Money Mitch Effect, we'll now switch to the AFC game, which was... I think even more surprisingly, Ryan, as emphatic of a victory, Patriots 36, Steelers 17. Right from the get-go, New England had it rolling on offense. Pittsburgh wasn't their crisp selves. But, Ryan, does this game tell you more about the Patriots at this level or that the Steelers just quite, quite aren't at this level? You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cop out here and say it told me a lot about both, uh, to be honest, because just watching this game, and I'll start with the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's really surprising to see the offense be this anemic. Um, even with Le'Veon Bell going down, you know, with the, with the groin, I understand that. But D'Angelo Williams, they, they, you know, they had a total of 20 carries, only 54 yards on the ground. They put it all in Big Ben's hands. And even his guys, you know, Antonio Brown didn't have that great of a game. 77 yards with no touchdowns. And I just think it was really shocking to see the offense as anemic as it was. Um, Big Ben didn't have that great of a game, but he didn't play bad, I don't think, by any stretch either. But what really surprised me was the defense that was starting to get hot. Now, I didn't I didn't think the defense was elite by any means, but the defense was playing a lot better. They were playing a lot better together. And Chris Hogan didn't have none of that. No. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he had as good a day as Julio Jones did. Yeah, identical. <laughs> identical status. I mean, Chris Hogan went Hulk Hogan on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, he was dropping legs and catching touchdown passes. Absolutely. But it, it, that says to me the, the, the genius of Brady, which we'll get into in a second, and, and McDaniels and Belichick for that matter. But for Pittsburgh, look, I don't I don't like the strategy. Regardless of the Bell injury, you know it was gutting, obviously. But they still have D'Angelo Russell, D'Angelo Williams back there, I should say. I don't like the strategy of throwing it 47 times a game, especially on the road against New England, but in any circumstance against New England. If, if Matt Ryan threw it 47 times, I probably wouldn't be thrilled either. I think you've got to have balance. And, you know, look, early into the third quarter, Ryan, this game was not a blowout. They Pittsburgh was in it, and they just did not want to run the ball as much. Ben was a little off, but... I think it goes back to the New England defense, Ryan, will always find a way to take away what you're good at. I think that's something that Belichick prides himself on. You have to have a plan B against his team. And Pittsburgh seemed a little too one-dimensional. The deep balls weren't there. They kept looking for it. 
and New England was able to uh, thwart every single attack they had. I think that was the eye-opening part for me. Definitely, I agree with that. And, you know, I think they definitely made a mistake when they abandoned the run uh, as early as they did because <laughs> D'Angelo Williams is, is more than a serviceable running back. As bad as the bell injury wa- uh, was, they had a chance to salvage um, – a competitive game. I'm not saying they would have won, but they had the chance to keep this competitive when it was still 17-9. If you look at the New England side of the ball, Brady, vintage performance, 384 yards, three touchdowns, passer rating of 127.5. A lot of that was to Chris Hogan. Edelman got in there as well. Look, I think with this team, and we could praise Brady until we're blue in the face, but the biggest thing with this offense, Brady, and, and the plays McDaniels dial up, Ryan, are that they will just take what they give you, and especially if it's a zone. Pittsburgh ran that zone all day. I don't think Brady loves throwing against anything better than a zone like he saw. Absolutely, and I've never seen a team, maybe we go through history, Mitch, I've never seen a team get better yards after catch than the Patriots. Right. And, I mean, they they catch the football on a five-yard route, and they turn it into 15. They turn it into 20. They break it for a touchdown. And that's how these little, you know, these miniature guys, as people, you know, a lot of people like to call them, can play so well and have these huge, huge performances because yak, all yards after catch. And Josh McDaniels does a great job of getting his receivers in position to get certain defenses to have the best opportunities for yards after the catch. Yeah, they plan out the route tree, and I think it's interesting there. I feel like that's part of what goes into the play calling. I obviously haven't been in the meeting room, but you look at what goes on with these plays, you think what can put us in the best position to not only complete the pass, but gain yards after the catch. The line played well. They kept Brady upright, but we got to come back to Brady, Ryan. I mean, he's 39 years old. He's going to his seventh Super Bowl. That's more than 28 other teams in history. I just, I've, I've accepted the fact that he doesn't age and he's probably never going to retire. No, he might not. As, as long as he can stay upright, I, he's going to play the league for a long time, uh, I guess, depending on how you look at it. But, yeah, he's he's all-time great. He really is, and I know the league's changed, and I know guys like Joe Montana and even John Elway, definitely like the Unitas class, couldn't last as long as Brady in their era. It's beneficial to play, but you still have to make the throws. You can argue that the QB talent pool is the thinnest it's been in a while. And I think part of that is the intellect side. And as great as Brady's arm is, there are guys in the league that have always had stronger arms than him. But he makes the reads. He makes the the pre-snap reads. He's able to minimize mistakes for a guy that doesn't really move that well to do it at a high level for this long. I think it, it speaks as much of anything to his intellect. Absolutely, and I, I was reading a, uh, I forget who did this Players' Tribune article, but uh, I think it was Von Miller, but he, he said that <clears throat> playing against Tom Brady, it's so seldom that he will have his offensive line in the wrong protection for whatever defense he's seeing. And just that level of detail to make sure your offensive line is knowing who the right guy to block to, which middle linebacker to block to, is incredible. I mean, that, that's the difference between a sack and not yeah. And but that's just a lot of things you know the average fan doesn't see, and to be able to do that thing, those things consistently, and to do them well, I think is what kept him around for so long. Right. Because I, I think I think I could beat him in a race. <laughs> yeah, I might I might be able to take him. Although I think it's helped too that he's playing with arguably I don't even know if there is an argument anymore the greatest NFL coach ever. I mean he's got to be Belichick's. If he's not the greatest, he's right at the top of that list. Yeah. I mean, top three for sure and I mean it's got to be a benefit and Belichick was was doing it you know as a coordinator but he he had had some head coaching success before he met Tom Brady also right well the Pats are back in the Super Bowl what else is new what else there as I talk as I wrap up the Money Mitch effect with Ryan Soles there's the Pro Bowl next week, the Super Bowl after that. Uh, I know they're they're trying to add some new flavor. I mean, last year's Pro Bowl was just pretty much guys taking selfies on the sideline. But they got some... I, <laughs> got, I got to tell you, I, uh, I am very excited for the skills challenge. It's right. coming back. More, I'm more excited for that than the game. 
Right now, what now? I know they're doing the skill stuff. Uh, they need to. I don't know if they are, but they need to bring back the strongman competition. Oh, they got to bring back the bench press. Yeah. Just have the winner compete against Larry Allen. Well, just right now, he'll still win. He'll, still, he'll win. still win. But you know, there's that. There's some things that I've seen in the past. The uh, the golf par. I think it was a golf par five, where you had five. You had basically four or five guys, and you just had to get the ball in the hole in two minutes with no cart. That was pretty fun. I, I want to see, too, and I brought this up in other sports as well, but how about this for, I don't know if this will ever get passed or legalized, but how about we do a, a big old-fashioned Oklahoma drill, but we let the players vote on who they like the least to compete in it. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, was, so, hey, it's that, about working well with your peers, you know? If you if you piss the wrong people off, yeah, you have to compete in this competition. <laughs> that would be excellent, actually. Yeah, who wouldn't and, want to and, see it? Um, some sort of uh, mascot workout. Like, I just, with, with Patrick Peterson, when he lost that bet and had to come out and warm up as the dinosaur, I don't know if <laughs> yeah, you saw that. Yeah. But uh, something like that would just be hilarious. Maybe put the kickers and mascots in and have them kick a 50-yard field goal or something. That would be hilarious to me. Right, and we can get coaches involved, too, you know? Maybe who, want, who doesn't want to see Andy Reid in the punt Andy pass and kick competition? Andy Reid, who doesn't want to see Andy Reid? <laughs> <laughs> Running a 40. Uh, Absolutely. Just not in, the, not in the combine attire that players wear now. I don't think anybody wants to see that. But, I mean, who knows? Um, but in all seriousness, though, Ryan, I think it's good that they're trying new ideas to get interest, to make it watchable. Because I, I respect the fact that you, know, you earn the right to go to a pro ball. You earn the financial compensation that comes with that. But the game has just been a total bore for far too long. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and I, I can't blame the players because unlike the NBA, the MLB, hockey, you know, to, to a lesser extent, it's the NFL. There's still a chance for injury. There's still a high chance for injury. And winning the extra thirty grand, especially if you don't get to go to Hawaii anymore, is it worth you maybe missing the next season because you were voted to an all-star game? I don't have a problem at all with voting and players receiving the honor. I just don't think there needs to be a game anymore. Yeah, it's tough because the pomp and circumstance of it, you'd like to see something, but the game itself has been kind of tough, and, and you only get a certain amount of hits on your body, I think, in an NFL career, so you definitely don't want to. You know, subject yourself to a meaningless game, but hey, I'm all for new suggestions, and it might not work, but at least they're trying, and that's good enough for me at this moment. Could could you imagine? And today, I mean, this wasn't even that long ago, but this is days the NFL. If that hit uh, on Brian Mormon from Sean Taylor happened today, yeah, that was something that I don't think would go over that well today. Yeah, and that wasn't, that wasn't that long ago. No, no, it was uh, not too long ago. But, Ryan, before I let you go, I know it's a couple weeks away and everyone's, myself included, probably going to flip-flop a bunch of times. But who are you leaning on right now for this Super Bowl? I think the line opened up at Falcons or three-point underdogs. I think the over-under is about 57.5 points. But who are you leaning on right now, day one of Super Bowl prep? Day one Super Bowl, I'm leaning on Atlanta. And I, I know the line came out at uh, three-point underdogs. I was actually leaning at three-point uh, favorites. I think Atlanta is just really high-powered right now. And I'm having a hard time seeing how Bill Belichick's going to shut down Julio Jones. I just flashback to, to Terrell Owens. Uh, and I think this team has a better offense than maybe that Philadelphia team did. And, you know, that was a long time ago. But I just... Bill Belichick prides himself on taking away what you do well, but that doesn't apply to everybody all the time. Right. I know. I agree with that. And I think, you know, it's early. I know we're, we're looking for something new. I'm on the Falcons right now. I just think there's a lot of weapons there. I don't know that even if you do take Julio away, what's the running back situation going to do to you? What's, you know, the other receivers going to do? It's very fascinating. New England, though, can definitely rack up yards against this Atlanta defense. I think the most absolutely they can nickel and dime them. I think the time of possession. <laughs> yeah, I think the most confident I am right now is there's going to be more than 57 and a half points scored in this game. I think we're going to see points in this Super Bowl. I really you do. know we always think that, and then we get the 17-14 Giants Patriots. Not to say that was an all-time great game, but you know 57. 
if if we saw it, I think it would be awesome. But if this game was twenty one seventeen, I wouldn't be surprised either. Oh no, I think that be that could be a good game too. And not to say all high scoring games are great games. I just think this has an eerie similar feeling to one of my favorite Super Bowls ever, that old school Panthers Patriots game. Oh yeah, that was a great game. Which, I thought you were I thought you were going uh, Arizona Pittsburgh. Oh, well, that's maybe the best Super Bowl ever. I mean, that was yeah. as as good of ending as we've seen, but. You know, Panthers, Patriots, where it started out slow, point explosion late, drama at the end. We'll see. I mean, there's a lot to figure out still. Two weeks, a lot of stories, a lot of puff pieces. Yeah. The odds will swing back and forth. Who are you, uh, I know it's a long way away, but who are you leaning on for media day? Like, there's not really a bunch of, there's no Richard Sherman's or Bob Miller's hmm. here. So who we got? Let's see. Media day. Uh, who would be the most interesting? Well, you know, uh, gosh, uh, I'm going to say for New England, I think the best sound is going to come from Martellus Bennett. The Bennett family is hilarious. Can, and that is hilarious. So I, I, think, he, I think they're Michael going to be the Michael might make an appearance, too. Yeah, do, the, <laughs> do the sack dance, freak some people out. Absolutely. You know, rated R. Uh, I'm, going to say, I'm going to say him. And Atlanta's side, they don't really... I, I'm not entirely sure. I think this could be somebody that we don't know is going to end up having a personality. I think they're the team that hasn't gotten as much... You know, media hype. So I know it's a cop out answer, but I don't know. I'll admit it. I don't know who would be the personality guy on that team. No, I maybe guess. future. Maybe future will be there. I don't know. He, he might be. He might be. <laughs> I don't know. But all right, Ryan. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. It was a fun football season, and I'm still holding out hope of that Eagles Brown Super Bowl. <laughs> oh, me too. It, it, it'll come. It'll come. We'll see. Maybe, uh, maybe when we're dead. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but Ryan, thanks again for not just today, but all season talking NFL football on the Money Mitch Effect. And I'm happy to do it. Another one down pipes that quick. Always a pleasure talking to Ryan about NFL football. It's a great season, recapping everything with him. And yeah, just one game left, one game left, and it is not, unfortunately, Browns and Eagles. Thanks again to Ryan Souls for coming on the program. All right, now is what you've been waiting for. Brett Connors, George Pinozian, one week down in the Australian Open. A lot of big upsets. We're going to talk about what that means for the men's game to have no Murray and Djokovic in week two of a major. Can Federer and Nadal make runs at another major championship? And will Serena Williams dominate the women's game? Or will Carolina Puskova, maybe Coco Vandewey, Garbini Muguruza, will they make runs? Only one way to find out. Here they are now, George Pinozzi and Brett Connors on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, Money Mitch Effect, back again. Brett Connors, George Pinozian, week one of the Australian Open is done. Guys, a lot to talk about. Thanks for joining the show on this very, 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 very late evening. Uh, all right, Mitch. Thanks for having me. Money! <laughs> Money! It's a pleasure. You know, these late night Australian runs, we get, it's nice to sneak in the time, you know, during all the madness. So, yeah. It's kind of nice to know we're just, we're the only three here. In the entire studio, so yeah, we're, we're basically so running everything right now. We're taking a little time out to, uh, you know, kind of record this podcast. That's yeah, nice. well, hey, guys. We'll to I, talk about. I appreciate that. We're going to go forward with, and also, I appreciate the shout-outs, too. You guys, nobody sings my name in unison better huh. than you two in about seven Money! <laughs> Money! And there it is. All right. So, as I mentioned, week one of the Australian Open is over. A lot of interesting upsets. We're used to seeing the top guys just kind of roll in these tournaments. We are going into week two without Djokovic and Murray. So I can't remember the last time that's happened. It's probably been about 12 or 13 years since both have been out of a major for week two. Brett, I'll start with you. What surprises you more? I know both are jarring, but not seeing Djokovic here or Murray, I guess, based on how and who they lost to? Uh, I guess I would have to say more jarring would be Djokovic, just because uh, six-time champion down here, it's almost like he's a lock to make the finals, you know, or win. And losing to Dennis Istaman, journeyman, where's he from, Uzbekistan? Yeah. Best, probably the best Uzbekistan athlete of all time. Probably. Like, definitely in the top he's, five. He's huge <laughs> there, by the oh, way. Yeah, he's I mean, essentially it's a small Justin country. Bieber 
of Uzbekistan. Wow. <laughs> yeah, Speechless. that's what they say. So, uh, isn't that what they said on the show? I think. I think. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's <laughs> kind of common knowledge. Said, but... you know, I think they said Katie Shikuri is the Justin Bieber of Japan. Oh, that's okay. Okay. Yeah. That's probably true. Also, oh, yeah. but you know, to lose to Istaman, who had to qualify for this tournament, I know he's not typically a qualifier. But it was shocking. The guy's won this tournament six times. It's another early exit at yeah. a major for a guy that's been money, who's made just about every quarterfinal for about I mean, six, seven years. I would say that I'm surprised, but I don't. I, Istaman is not the worst player. Like even like I, I remember watching him like a few years ago. Like, he would always kind of play every tough, every like high seed tough always, and he like hits good forehands. I wasn't like surprised that he's like talented because I've seen it before. But it was definitely surprising for him to kind of continue the success. Yeah. Like even after that, usually you, you you upset a player, a big player like that. The next round you're out. <laughs> like it always happens. I think that yeah. I think that uh, as far as like historic wise, the bigger upset is Djokovic losing because he's six time champion. But as far as in the moment, who was playing better is probably Murray. I mean Murray's yeah. number one. That's a huge story. He's playing too. huge. The only guy who's been able to beat Murray kind of lately has been Djokovic. So for him to lose to like Misha Zverev, not even the good Zverev, right? <laughs> well, was kind of Misha Zverev reaching a quarterfinal before Sasha Alexander Zverev, whatever we call him now, is pretty big upset. Istaman actually played really, really well in that match. Like I know Joker is there's he's not at that elite level that he was at. But it wasn't a complete choke job. Eastman Both guys made plays, and yeah, I, I think jarring from a watching it on fold standpoint, are about equal because you had Eastman basically out baseline, the best baseline yeah. player in the world, one of yeah. the best ever. Misha Zverev just served and volleyed Andy Murray. It yeah. was a bold strategy that actually did pay off. Yeah, I think Zverev's yeah. strategy. I mean, he won in four too. So like, yeah, you know I, I want to know <laughs> the stat on what Murray's record is versus a player that. Serves and volleys like I mean, Mahout, like Nicholas Mahout. Yeah, what's his yeah. record? Probably pretty good, though. You know, yeah, it, it should, I think the way like that's very Murray was, was more impressive to me than the way Istaman, Istaman Joker. Won. Like Istaman kind of like a bang, bit. banged yeah. with Djokovic from the baseline and like kind of slugged him somehow a little bit. But the way Zverev like kind of like picked Murray apart a yeah. little bit. With, he like, did stylistically, or I guess surgically, if we're talking about. Using your intellect on the tennis court, Misha Zverev, that was unprecedented. Sure. He yeah, outsmarted. That, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was a really good Alex- player. Alexander, his brother's like, just like, that was supposed to be me. <laughs> he wasn't even happy. Yeah, he, he was, was like, he was just like. Well, and Istaman had one of the best quotes after he beat Djokovic. Like, I feel bad for Novak, but I was playing really well today, which is true. I mean, he, yeah. he played at a level that even Mac yeah, or whoever was calling it was just like this guy. He that long. Yeah. It, it like was. Conditioning, yeah. You want to keep it going is something. I'll ask you guys this before we move on to the rest of the draw. You think the men's game is opening up now? I mean, the same number of guys. It was always the big four that were in the semis. Maybe one of them wouldn't make it each year, but you could count on about three of them to always get there. Now, two of them aren't going. The two younger ones bow out early. Is this going to be a trend, Brett, or should we expect it to just be a blip in the radar? Yeah, no, I think it's definitely like going to be more like this like you know more wide open just because yeah we still have the big four but the big four is not consistently making the semis all of them at the same time like maybe a couple of them are you know two of them do but like you're always going to have now like younger guys in those final four i think yeah. you know what i mean and then it's just slowly going to chip away as yeah. like the other right. guys get I, a little older i just don't think and george is going to go off that i think it's what brett said we're going to see younger guys going in there but i don't think the younger guys there's a single younger guy ready to be the guy to be consistently there yet. So we will no, see some more interchangeable a more, parts. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think right now we're like on the cusp of two generations. One's kind of like on the way out, and then we kind of see like the young, young players that are like eye opening too. And now they're like up there. They're competing with them. Team like Zverev. They're kind of like consistent guys. You see them all, all the time now. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, like except like Chorich, he kind of fell off a bit, yeah, but he, yeah. I don't know why. He's still twenty nineteen. Yeah, and we're gonna see GoFan versus Dimitrov yeah. for a semifinal spot. That's awesome. So yeah. That's yeah. good for, for the Dimitrov game. Dimitrov too. It's good. It's good. I'm, sure. I'm so excited that Murray and Joker are both out. It's kind it's of kinda fun, like, isn't it? It is because it's just yeah. kind of like, oh man, it's like good who's to get gonna win it? Fed's playing well in the doll. I I, I hope that it's not Fed and the doll. Yeah. I really hope. From a rating standpoint, I think Fedis wants someone in there. I think the old adage is, you want one big name. Yeah. Even if they lose. Who, who, who do they want then? Either. No, I, I would say they, they want. They would have said Istaman yeah. if he kept winning. If, Fed, if it's Fed or Nadal and somebody else, a new young star, I think that's great. 
It's when you have two guys that have never been there before, a la 2014, U.S. Yeah. Open, What about George. like Dimitrov? Dimitrov would be all right. I mean, the thing is, I think, I I'll, I think I'll, the, I'll this is kind of the, like, this will be the time you look back on in 10 years where you're like, oh, remember when whoever comes through Zverev was playing like Murray. And like, you know, like we look yeah. back on like Fed yeah. when he played Sampras and Agassi. Yeah, looking back, yeah. It's like it's gonna, eventually yeah. these guys are going to weed out whoever these top two or three guys are. Right. But I don't know if we're going to see the consistency like we did with like Djokovic, Murray. It's tough. Fed that's that's historically great consistency. I think what's going to happen now because there's so much money in the game that if whoever pops up and does like win a slam will like maybe Mark. disappear a little bit. Like he will celebrate it like a lot of the players did like a Muguruza like a last movie. year. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. a lot of the players who pop up win a slam like they, they think take they, the they success to their head and then they disappear a little bit yeah. and then it takes them a while to come back. Yeah. True. Yeah. We'll have to see. And I do want to point out one last thing on this topic. Misha Zverev, 28 years old, um, was ranked in the thousands a couple years ago. It's a pretty good story. You know, he kept with it. And, yeah. He's still and pretty young. Though. I like watching him play. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the fact that he's like, dude, like, it's there's tricky. a hole in the game where, like, nobody uses serving volley. He just keeps coming, dude. Like, you're going to pass him. He knows he's going to get passed. But he's like, look, people don't know how to deal with this because no one does it. Yeah. And he's in great shape. Yeah. yeah and he's, he's got really good hands. He's yeah. probably, like, a top whatever five or six volleyer in the game yeah. or something like that for a guy who's in the 50s to be a top five or six well, volleyer. double as well, too, right? Yeah. yeah. Remarkable win for both those guys, Vera, Misha Vera, and Istaman. That's just been another great win there. Money Mitch Effect with Brett Connors Ooh. and George Pinozian. All right, let's look at some of the other storylines. And in the men's draw, no Craig David yet. You had your fill yesterday. <laughs> just calm down over there, George. But all right. The returning, returning success of Roger Federer and possibly Rafael Nadal. We're going to tape this before his match with Gail Monfils. But as of now, both those guys are still in the tournaments. Big wins there. How surprised are you, George, to see the old guard, the two greatest Grand Slam champions probably ever, to still be in and still be kicking around in 2017? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's super interesting, definitely. It's definitely a story, you know, an old rivalry that's, like, somehow relevant in this, at this point in the tournament. I'm excited about it. Like, if they're on the, are they on the same side of the draw? No. So they could potentially meet in the finals. Yeah. So would wow. you want that? That'd be know. fun. I, it's okay. So oh, as a no. fan, we want new stars, but, but how could you not like to see those guys? I'd be down. For make it. it yeah, it would Every be kind of fun too. I think right now with like all the options that are left, like while I don't like maybe Roundish style I just that hope much, round is, <laughs> I don't really want Roundish to win. But like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like we have enough cool options to where whatever we get, it's going to be all right. You know, Fed and Nadal, like, right, what, they've only made the fourth round still. It's not like they're in the semis or the finals. But it is no, nice Fed's to see the, them. Ronich lost okay. the second set. Ronich lost the second set, by the way. He did. So if Nadal wins against Mofis, where he is technically seated as an underdog, he'll be back in the quarters, too. I think for Fed's case, I mean, the guy was, yeah. uh, I mean, he had six yeah, months Fed off. That story back, is pretty remarkable. I feel remarkable. like they're both, like... I still kind of like expected from them. Like I'm yeah. not totally like. I mean, it's awesome that they're here, but like I'm not shocked that they're here. Or it could know? be Walrenka. He's always yeah. the, I think the guy no, under the stand. radar. Always. I want to ask you, quite, guys, a question really about like about Fed Me here. Too. If he wins yeah, this bad. major, which he still has a lot more work to do, but where would that rank among his career achievements? Because I think it's got to be up there. Fed. If he wins this major yeah. after six months off. I mean, coming I mean, in sure at the 17th like seed. Yeah, but he's, he didn't beat Murray or Djokovic, so it's not going to be like, oh, wow. That They'll was still give him tons of credit for it. They, be, no, they will. They'll still be like, he beat Burdich, Nishikori. And but I don't whatever. think it's the best achievement of his career. Absolutely. I think it's going to be, It'll be a very, very close. It'll be to top, top two or three. It'll as be like there with winning seed. the French. 35 years old. Yeah. I think it's the time off, too. I think that's part of it where... And that he's older. Yeah. But I mean, his he's played well. Really like he's gonna beat Zverev. His, started to show this his, year. Yeah, his match year. against Burdich, he served unbelievable. It was you know, startling how dominant he was. Nishikori was a battle. Now I think it's rare. We talked about this as it was happening. That you think the guy with more durability in that match is gonna be the 35 year old guy, but it's so true. <laughs> it is because true, Nishikori though. just can't last in these no. best of fives. He's got a little. George, I'd say he's got a little of that Jack Sock in him, where he just can't last in a best of five match. But no. I don't know. Yeah. Sad about Sock. I was I had 
big expectations. I don't, you know, as much as I've kind of railed on him in the past, I don't look at that as a terrible performance. I mean, no, Sanga's no, no, a warrior. He He's a professional. He was sure. tired. You know. Sanga's always good in Australia, too. Yeah, Sanga was good that day, too. I watched it. I watched like, the portion. He, yeah, just... Uh, like he's a pro. Player. I mean, he, it's tough to beat him when he's, again, serving like that. Sox he's got power. Sox yeah. player than Sox. I think it's a bad matchup, too, right? Yeah, I mean, Sox's thing out. is power. Sox can match power yeah. with him. He's not going to get Sox's hit off the court. Sox's got a better backhand. Like, yeah. They yeah, both have big it. forehands, and then Sox's got a but, pretty good backhand. But Sox has, like, he's tricky. Comes up to the net, yeah. like... He's we, got good volleys. We yeah. look at Songo, we're not sure. I mean, he's getting up there in age. He'll be 32 along with Burditch and Ferrer this year. But he's got a quarterfinal matchup set with Stan. Stan Wawrinka, yeah, the Open Champ. That's a good match, and that's one where, because of how the draw's gone, I'm not counting out. I know it would be improbable for a guy like Sanga, who has never won a major, but if he can beat Stan, it's possible this year with not the big guys that have knocked yeah. him out. I mean, how many majors did he lose to Murray, yeah. to Djokovic, to Nadal? I mean, he might I, not have to yeah. play any of them. I always, I've always said I think it would be great for the sport if Sanga won. Because he's like such a personality guy. Yeah, like he's funny guy, and he's yeah. cool. He's like a good looking dude. Like he looks like Ali, all that stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah, and the yeah. celebrations, like all the Yeah, celebrations always funny. And like, I don't know. He's like just cool, dude. Yeah, he he's cool. He has a pro. But yeah. then you have Stan, who you said you'd enjoy to see winning it, Brett. Oh, yeah. That'd be his fourth major if he wins. Oh, yeah. And then he's he's moving up and up, and not just a, a flash in the pan Grand Slam winner, a legitimate bona oh, fide no. champion. Who's still won, He's won Wimbledon that away? Before, though, yes, sure, yeah. just once. Just once. His first major in yeah. 2014. Yeah. Which he's had tougher roads to get there. If he wins this one, so this will be the first time he hasn't beaten the number one player yeah. to do it. Yeah. So something to think about I there. Think the I think he'll have four slots. Whoever wins that. Match. In uh, yeah, that would, no, it'd be about four because it was 2014. Wow, but good, still, though. yeah, four and four. I mean, yeah. he's had one a year, every year. So. I think that's good. And uh, before we wrap up the men's side of the draw on the Money Mitch Fact with Brett Connors and George Finozian, I want to yeah. get back to oh, Nadal, to that side of the draw. Nadal, Monfils, Milos. I-, I look at Nadal as obviously not the same player, but this is his chance, maybe his best chance, to make a deep run into a major George as a bona fide Nadal supporter. Realistically, after the dramatic win over Alexander Zverev, what chance would you put on Rafa to make a run all the way to the final? Um, I think that it's very possible because uh, his defense versus Zverev and, you know, his endurance was kind of like vintage Nadal. Like, you know, he, he really outlasted him. He was played him tough, was just, like, getting everything. Like, it, Zverev was just, you know, Zverev was dominating the match, I thought. And then, and then Nadal kind of just, like, snuck his way back with his defense, yeah. you know. So, um, you know, he, he can do it. He could do it. Yeah. I think I, I don't fear one individual player for Nadal. I fear the cumulative effect of going deeper and deeper into a Grand Slam at his age, at, you know, he, his yeah, injury he, history. He's, he's all right now. We'll see. I mean, I he think, hasn't. Yeah, how how long has it been since he's gone this gone to a semifinal? Yeah. You know, it's been a while. I just, he's got a decent draw, we'll though. I mean, yeah. Monfie, like as much as I love Monfie, I think it'll be a fun match. He doesn't do enough to hurt Rafa. And if he's going to try and, like, outlast Rafa... Probably now, now Milos, if he's on, as boring as we all think he is, Ugh. that's a bad match. That's a worse matchup. I shouldn't say bad. That's a worse matchup for Nadal. They played the earlier this year. Yeah, they, they're yeah. one and one. Yeah, basically. I just think if he's serving big, that can neutralize Nadal's defense. And I think that's where he might be vulnerable. That'll, that'll be somewhat enjoyable he's match. He's still got to yeah. get through a good, though. He's yeah. still in the set. True. You know, set this could yeah, be, you're if, right. If, and, and Raonic has like a, a cold or something like yeah, that. He's like so, sick. You know, I, and if he doesn't win, if he doesn't of, win this course. major, we do start to, have one, start to wonder. Because Milos is the highest seeded player left. This is a golden chance for him. Oh, yeah. This is a great chance for him to win his first major and break through. If he doesn't, then we got to wonder if he's going to fall into that Nishikori class, the class that's plagued guys like Ferrer, guys like, you know, Yeah, Burch I don't know. Sonic. Like, I think he kind of is in that class, but I think as far as who has a better chance of winning slams, it's still Milos it's compared to, like, Nishikori or something like that. Like, Nishikori's a great player, but he's not going to be able to get, like, easy points, easy matches the way Milos does. Like, Milos will always will be a threat on grass at Wimbledon probably for at least another, you know, five years, as long as he stays somewhat healthy. So he's going to have chances to win there. And then he's always got a chance on hard courts just because he's got that serve, man. So, all right, let's do it now, then. Let's right now pick the rest of the tournament. I know, George, we did this, and we have to amend some of our picks. Yeah. But how would you see the final four and all the way up to the final going? Um, I'm going to say 
I'm looking. Am I looking at the right thing? Federer and Zverev. Yeah. 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 Quarterfinal. Okay. So if Fed is going <laughs> to the semifinals. Warinka is gonna play. Sanga. Sanga. Yeah. And I'm calling Warinka wins that. Okay. So Warinka Federer in the semifinals. The other side. The other side. Goff and Dimitrov. Ooh. Ooh. I, you know this is. Don't sleep on up. these kids for shocking the world. They already. Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Goffin on this one. Okay. That's a that's a really close one though. Yeah. Because they they're both very yeah. they're both both hot. And then the and top then one, the which top might one, have the most talent, still remaining. So it could be let's say Nadal, okay. and um, who's the other player? Milos on Milos. on Milos, let's say that could be. Yeah. Wow, this is tough. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm gonna say Nadal. Okay, and Nadal is gonna play Goffin in the semis. In the final? No, in the semis okay. on that part, and then. Um, I'm gonna say Goffin beating Nadal in the semis. And Fed and, and Goffin, Fed and Stan. Stan so Stan, so Goffin, Stan Goffin final. final. Who wins it? And um, I'm gonna say Stan. Wins. Okay, Stan, fourth major. Wow. What about you, yeah. Brett? I think it's gonna be Fed's gonna beat Zvera for sure. Yeah. And then I think I don't know, man. Wawrinka Song is gonna be a great match. I think Wawrinka's gonna get him. I think Fed's gonna get Wawrinka. Is it the finals? Ooh, yeah. That could possible. I think Gofan's going to beat Dimitrov in like four sets. Nice. He I played like team who's got a good one-hander. Like Dimitrov and handled him pretty good today. And I just don't trust Dimitrov in a big match. Me yet. neither. I just don't do it. <laughs> Me neither. And then I think Ranich will probably end up getting through Goot. And then I feel like Nadal's going to beat Ronich. So Okay. And I feel like Nadal fed. Nadal fed final. Who wins it <laughs> That'll be year? cool, man. I, I want that I think uh, Nadal beats fed. 15th wow. major. Wow. All right. I hope this I'll, I'll wrap it up. Yeah, Fed over Zverev. Stan over Sanga. Dimitrov over Gofan. Okay. I think I think Demi yeah. can win it. You know, yeah. he's coming yeah, in, new attitude. Sure. And then I'll like say Nadal beats Monfils tonight. Ooh. But Milos beats Nadal. Okay. And gets to the semi. I think the final's gonna be Fed Milos. And I do like Roger to win. Wow. I'm, I'm hooked now. You know, I here's the one thing. Wow. You think he has the endurance? And the, I think not the having to play Djokovic and Murray is going to allow him to do that. I really do. I think, yeah. The wow. matchup over Nisha Corey was interesting because he won a five-setter. And as Brett pointed out, he lost a lot of five centers. He kind of disappeared. Yeah. So There's times he does disappear. Could be, yeah. could be better. It could be well, a new True. True. But yeah. when is he? Like he's never seven. had months off in his career. We all were like, yeah. well, he's washed. What if it's the opposite effect? What if he got like five, re-energized. six months to re energize? Yeah. Yeah. I feel and like the fact that Fed and Nadal have to beat, they don't have to beat either mm-hmm. Murray or Joker. I feel like that they'll somehow Dude, find their way. I know. Now we're turning on young stars with Fed and Nadal. It's what sells. Well, Money Mitch Effect, Brett Connors, and George Pinozzi. We got to talk women's tennis. For a little bit. Do we have to? Yeah, I feel like you say that all the time. Yeah, <laughs> like it's always like the first thing. It's so boring. It's just kind of like Serena like, and yeah, now I do want to. I do want to yeah, point out one thing. Vizcova yeah. and Serena, the two highest she's highest seeds remaining. There's a lot of upsets early. Halep went out. <laughs> went out first <laughs> round. One. It's four seed, but Kerber going out to Coco Vandeweghe in the round of what was that round of sixteen. Was shot. I wouldn't say shocking by the outcome. We all thought Kerber was vulnerable early in the yeah. tournament and could lose, but I'm shocked, Brett, with how dominant Coco was. That wasn't just a good close match. That was a beatdown, yeah. and the dominant player was not the number one player in the world. For sure. I mean, I think it, the fact that she beat her didn't really surprise us because yeah. I think Kerber did look she has vulnerable, a lot of flaws, and Kerber. Coco yeah. did look really good. But I think, yeah, like the way you said, the fact she came out, took the first set easy. And then went down a break to Kerber and kind of where we were all like, okay, going three, know, it's gonna at least go three. And then she breaks back and then like kind of runs it, runs oh, away with it. She won the one the last five games <laughs> yeah. of the match. I mean, so was, that was what ooh. was kind of impressive. And like, I just think Kerber's kind of like run out of gas. As much as we want to anoint her like the next number one, like she's still the person she probably there's a little bit of her who's still the person she was. So this she started is definitely not stars. the world number okay. one. Okay, we're, we're looking at it from the Serena factor, right? Like obviously it's yeah. Serena Williams, but yeah. I'm willing to give her the benefit of the doubt on one side. 
I'm willing to. Okay, let's see. Like obviously, but I'm just saying yeah. I don't even think she's the number two best player in the world. Really? I think like there's some other players. I don't know. That she's that, okay, too. but you're not saying. Well, I think she's got to win a major. This has got to get some. You got to get one yeah. major before yeah. you're. Kerber won two last yeah, year. Yeah, but I'm, I'm talking about right now though. Okay. No, and I, and I hope you're right, and I hope Mugu. Mugu's good too. See, here's the interesting under the under the radar right now. Here's the interesting thing about Mugu. Mugu gets Coco. Winner goes to the semi. Slugfest. The bottom half of that draw is not looking too good right now. That could be very well who goes to a final. Whoever wins Mugu versus Coco could be in the Aussie Open final. And if it's Mugu, another player that we kind of railed on, this could be her bounce back. This could be her chance. To get back, French Open she wins last year, has a pretty poor rest of the year. That's but this the is thing, her opportunity. Man. That's the thing with the women's draw and the, the women's game right now is like, you can say it's like the deepest it's ever been or it's like the worst it's ever been. Like I can't tell which one it is, but like at any time, a ton of players have a chance to kind of win a Grand Slam. Well, we mentioned <laughs> though, we mentioned that this yeah. specific at tournament was finals. brutal because of all the injuries and all the off the court stuff that are keeping a lot of the top players out of it. But that also gives players like Coco, players like even Mugu, a chance yeah. to make a run. Hal couldn't take advantage of it from no. day one. That's the thing. Is that's so, what's crazy when these players lose early. It's like you're really losing out on opportunities. Halep well, losing first round, you're just this crazy. I mean, you were one of the people, Brett, that always said that. I mean, we acknowledge Serena as the best player probably of all time. But she can't win every, every slam. There should be a next group of players yeah. that win slams somewhat consistently. That's why to me, women, and there isn't. women's yeah. tennis is is not going to be exciting to me until Serena Williams leaves the game because she is just way too good. It's uh, yeah. To me, we're no gonna one lose, will okay, ever we're really gain compare it, to her. Yeah. Anybody in this generation can't really like compete with her. Whenever she yeah. loses, it's mostly just her her fault. But I feel like it, like so with the, with until her, she leaves, then I'm like gonna be interested again. Okay, what is Mugu gonna do now? Yeah. Like, who's next? We're gonna gain excitement, like but Kobe, we're gonna lose. Kobe last yeah. season, we were all kind of like. You know, <laughs> we're gonna gain excitement, but we're gonna lose. Yeah, but I feel tennis. like with yeah. the, Serena, at least you're she's like the anchor that kind of legitimizes the whole like sport a little bit. Where it's like, geez, some of these girls are terrible. Some of the time, you're like, well, at least we have Serena. <laughs> hey, what did we talk about <laughs> Venus Williams? How she can't retire? Yeah. Yeah, it's like you can't yeah. stop beating players. Yeah, exactly. Like everyone, Congrats to Venus. Quarterfinal <laughs> shot again. Yeah, Venus is like almost 40 or something. And she's just like, well, I can't, I can't retire. It's I like keep I'm, making four semifinals of events. Like, you know, what am I supposed it's to do? Generation, but Serena's looking good right now. She's being tested. I, I'll say that. It's not the cakewalk. She's had some early tough matchups. Strakova today. Strakova played a good stuff. match. It was 7-5-6-4, though, is pretty she good. Did. You know, I think Ben should skate her a tough set. Serena looks good, yeah. We'll see. The fact that she doesn't have to play Kerber, who's someone who know, you know, she knows can beat her. Yeah. But to win the, so the, let's do the math. Let's do That'll the math right now. If she, to win the major, it's looking like Conta next, not easy. Pliskova probably the second or third best right right now. She's great. And then a so final of Amugu, Coco, maybe Sister Venus, Bucic, Baroni. I mean, I don't. Yeah, you know, I want her to win. <laughs> I don't even know what yeah. side is she on that side of the draw. But it's still a remarkable story that she's come back after all these years of all right. 69 majors away from her last run, and she's making a run now. It's kind of cool. It's kind of cool yeah. to see she had a major. She had a match against it's Steffi Graf at Wimbledon. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. It's. I don't know. Like, part of me is always like, you know, I want Serena to, to be done so we can see who's next. But then, like, you can't deny her greatness. You yeah. Know? Like, she is fun to watch, and like. None of these other girls step up. Like you said, there should be this second tier where you're like, okay, it's going to be one of these three or four people probably oh every God. time she doesn't win. And it's like not. You know, so it's like think, about, think about this. One of these next four players are going to be in the finals. Coco, Muguruza, Venus Williams, Pavlyuchenkova. Pavly? Well, one I, I think it's Coco Mugu winner for sure for me, right? Like I got whoever wins that match is going to be in the, final, in the final, in my opinion. I agree. Yeah, I don't Great know. stories, but I, I can't. Venus, Coco's power. Probably is, a chunk of a Venus. Like Venus is getting lucky. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. A nice Coco yeah. is um, her power is one of the top, probably one of the top five power games in women's tennis. She's starting to get locked in. She's not mentally taking herself out of these matches anymore. She's yeah. maturing as a player. We'll sure. see. We'll uh, see. She has like the. She has the like. She's always redlining though. You know, like the yeah. way she plays is fun when it's going, but man, when it's not, thank it God goes for Jeannie Bouchard choking it away. Yeah, <laughs> or she wouldn't be here. Exactly. But I mean, like when she's just swinging away and hitting, she's fun. But like when she's not, she's not on. Well, it's it's <laughs> going to be an interesting draw. How do you guys see now? It's shaping up the final four 
all the way through. We have our we have our eight spot set. So, how do you see it going? Start with you, Brett. Final oh, four and then winning. I that. don't know. So Serena has Conta. I think yeah. that could be like a tough match. I don't know. Conta's been playing good. Have they ever played before? I don't know the record, but it's a new star. It's somebody yeah. new. I think the fact that Serena has to go Conta to probably play Pushkova. Yeah. If Serena comes through those two matches, I think she's probably good. I mean, she deserves to win. It's fair. Those yeah. are yeah. tougher good. than the final. Like, yeah. the final won't be, be yeah. as tough as those two matches. But, like, yeah, like, let's say Serena has to go Conta, Pliskova to play Mugu. She deserves it. But she could lose all three of those matches. She's been a little vulnerable. We don't know how she's playing. She's been away a little bit. So there's always that unknown factor where you're I, like, you kind of have to account for that. But if I had to choose, I would say Serena should win. I'll go Serena over Coco in the final. I like Coco to get wow. there. I think she beats Mugu. I think. I'll, I'll give it up for Venus. I think Venus gets Pavly. Coco beats Venus. Then I'll say... I like that story. Puskova over Serena. Serena. As much Puskova as I love Coco, all. I think Muguza will get her. Yeah, okay. I, I like agree. It. Coco's playing great. It's though, tough. I love How can Coco. you trust I, either of them? I mean, it's great for Coco, really but... I say Muguza. I think Muguza's got to be a little bit of a fave. Pavly Achenkova wins. I think Muguza Pavly semi and Puskova Serena. And then I can see... Serena beating Pliskova, and then Serena playing Muguruza. I'm calling it right now. And then I think Muguruza beats her. Wow. Well, I'll say this, though. I think Serena's hardest match is going to be against Kanta. I think Pliskova. I think Pliskova. She's she got beat the last time in a major semifinal. I think she's gonna be out for blood. This is gonna be a locked in Serena. I think yeah, because everyone's gonna say yeah. Pliskova, and then Serena's gonna. Be but Kanta, Kanta's game is good. Kanta's game. I think that'll be a three set match. I think Serena wins. So too. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. All right, one, before we let go of this riveting segment of you guys, really appreciate you coming on Money Mitch Effect. Money. There was. Yeah, George went to a Craig David concert, and he's all musical. So. That actually wasn't Craig David. That was George singing. So let's talk a little football before I let you go. The, the, I do want to just mention that there were football games today in the Super Bowl. Brett, it's Patriots and Falcons. Yeah. But we've had two more blowouts. It's been yeah. mostly blowouts. But been the I, best playoffs. You know, I think it's fair now to say these are the two best teams based on how they're winning these games. Kind of, yeah. It seems like... You know, it kind of shook out the way a lot of people said a little bit. I mean, Green Bay had the momentum, but... Yeah, that was surprising. I just feel like Atlanta this year was different because they have a lot more weapons. Yeah. Like, it was used to have been, like, Julio Jones and then maybe yeah, someone else. Yeah, but Tevin Coleman like is like... Seven. seven. I counted about seven weapons on that team. Yeah. Three great receivers. Sanu's like, like, the fifth, fourth option. Taylor Gabriel is the third receiver. Very, two yeah. two beast running backs. Guy. That's the thing. They have two really good running backs, man. New England really is just do. New England. Like, we can't be surprised by yeah. that. It's like Brady and, like, Federer are the same guy. They're like, they're just, the just always going to be there. They're cheating at something that we found out about in, like, five years. Remember that one? As a Dolphin fan, maybe <laughs> career. They're, they're making it look too easy. Yeah. It's just like it's like, silly. It's like without tested. They, well, they, they, who did they play? The Bengals. Right? Pittsburgh. No. no, but prior, prior to Pittsburgh. Houston. Houston. <laughs> Houston. <laughs> Houston. Exactly. It's yeah. been a little weak this year in the AFC. It the has. Um, but I also say this. You know, I'm looking around the room here. I'm seeing Cowboys, Dolphins, Browns fans. Yeah. Are our teams going to do yeah. anything yeah. ever? <laughs> like it's Cowboys been a rough. Future looks good. Your future looks good, but yeah, it's been a while since. Any of our teams have done anything at all. Dak just needs a year or something <laughs> or two. Just yeah, yeah, no more, no Romo. There was like a little yeah. Once drama. that's gone, like Dak, it's Dak's team. I yeah. bet you by the year three or four, Dak's like solid, man. So like, trade Ro- if they so can true. trade Romo and they can invest some okay. of that money on the defensive side of the ball because oh, that's great. where they need some help. But definitely offensively, you got to like the Zeke Dak and Dez, who's back to beasting again oh, yeah. now that he's fully healthy. Yeah. Look at the Dolphins, and I'm wondering. <laughs> I like Gase. I like They're the solid. defense. They need to resign Landry. Oh, yeah. Can't let Landry go. No. Stupid. How about back position? You think JJ is the future? I don't know. He's solid. I don't know. He's got that like problem with his knees coming out of Boise State. But, I mean, he had a pretty freaking good year. I mean, Quarterback position. I just need to show that. Yeah, I don't know, man. I trust Tannehill. Gase, though. I like Gase. I'm not sure Tannehill is like long-term, but I, I don't know, man. I don't think Tannehill is like, going to win us a Super Bowl. Let's just put it that way. No. But I do like Devontae Parker. I do like Landry. I like Stills. We, need a, we need a tight end. I like J.J. I like Kenyon Drake. 
He's like a kick yeah. returner. He's yeah. like a third, third down guy. He's a guy that in college was injured, was on a loaded Alabama team. Yeah. He didn't really know how good he was. I think he's a gem there. Yeah. And yeah. that defense needs And you need help. Tom Brady to retire. <laughs> Seriously, Belichick quit already. Stop. Stop. We'll give someone else a chance. Yeah. LeBron's just need everything. Yeah, yeah. 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 All right, guys. Appreciate it as always. This was fun. We're gonna check in at the end of the Aussie Open. You know, we'll be back. We are. We'll fill you in. Fill you, Mark Craig David. Seven days. Seven days. Appreciate it as always. Thanks again to George Spinozzi and Brett Connors. Always a good time. Always a pleasure to talk to those wonderful human beings about tennis. Thanks again to Ryan Souls for coming on to talk NFL football. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. It's been an eventful week in sports. Only one football game left, one week left of the first major tennis major of the season. And other sports going on as well. The winter sports in full effect. And the NHL All-Star game this weekend is going to be in Los Angeles. So hopefully I'll have a chance to check out some of the festivities there. Thanks, everybody, for listening. The Money Mitch Effect can be found on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. I'm on Twitter. MoneyMitchM21 is my handle. Check me out there. Thank you all for listening. There'll be more shows this week. You can rest assured there. I am Mitch Michaels, and I'll catch you next time. Money, the Mitch, money, the Mitch, money, the Mitch, money, 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 money